You're listening to the Soul Vibration Wellness Podcast, where we dive into the latest research on health, share awesome life hacks, and discover the many ways you can optimize your health and habits. We talk about tech that can save lives, amazing new discoveries in the health sciences, age-old alternative medicine practices, allopathic and alternative options to give you the knowledge to live your life feeling like the best version of yourself. I'm Julia Tremels, a massage therapist and yoga teacher, plant mom, roller coaster lover, and wellness entrepreneur. I've helped hundreds on their journeys through chronic pain and illness. This podcast was born to be able to hopefully help thousands more. So join me while we explore the latest in health and wellness. Hi, everybody. Welcome. I'm so excited. Today, we are going to be talking about the gut. So let's get into it. I have so much information. This one might go a little over 20 minutes. I can't, I couldn't help myself. I barely cracked like the very edge of knowledge around what's going on in gut research today. So first, let's just start out by talking about what the gut microbiome is. If you haven't heard this word, you must have been living under a rock, but here we are. I will help you for out from under the rock. I feel like I've been hearing more and more every month about the gut and how important it is to our overall health. And in 2012, at the Human Microbiome Project Consortium, experts reached a consensus to, procre- to proclaim that the microbiome is a new and vital organ of the body an actual organ. And it's the largest reservoir of microbes and bacteria um, in the intestine. And it's the study of the gut microbiome actually refers to the vast research around the bacterial composition of the intestinal environment. However, there is a rapidly expanding field of research that is focused more on exploring the remaining components of this ecosystem, including viruses, fungi, archaea, helminths, basically your macrobiome. Um, These are significant influences in preserving the actual balance within the gut, which is quite delicate. So despite their tiny size, the human gut microbiome is an organ of substantial weight and averaging at an impressive three pounds. This is even heavier than the human brain and the sheer number of microorganisms in the microbiome is staggering. It's it's equating to the number of cells in an average human body. So pretty much we are 50% human and 50% bacteria. So there you go. And I was reading up on this really cool week that they have in Chicago called the Digestive Disease Week. They do a bunch of presentations over the course of this week. And in May of this year, they met up in Chicago and there was a session about the role of microbiota um, derived AHR ligands in celiac disease by this woman, Elena Verdu from McMaster University. So basically what all this means is she found compelling data that showed that the microbial metabolism of tryptophan, which is what makes us sleepy at Thanksgiving, it's in Turkey, um, and the production of these organisms, it's called indoles, are impaired in patients with active celiac disease. So she presented this work on genetically predisposed animal model, where tryptophan and probiotics actually rescued this pathway that is being that's not working quite right in people with celiac. 
Um, so tryptophan is the amino acid, like I'm saying, that's found in Turkey. It actually, we need tryptophan to help make melatonin and serotonin. And melatonin is what helps regulate our sleep-wake cycle. Serotonin is thought to help regulate appetite, sleep, mood, and pain. Um, the liver can also use tryptophan to produce niacin, which is vitamin B3, which is needed for energy metabolism and DNA production. So it's pretty important. And we actually can't make it. Our body doesn't make tryptophan. We have to get it from our diet. So it's that and these things called indoles, which are actually naturally occurring components in the world. They're all over the place. They're what makes our poop stinky. It's what makes a dead animal, the rot smell. But it's also found in like jasmine and orange blossom oil, which is just weird. But, you know, nature is weird. So it's indole is basically this compound. It can make things smelly in either a great way or a bad way. But hey, here we are in nature. So finally, to bring all this together, the trials that um, Verdue did found that using a tryptophan supplementation as a prebiotic and then giving that was therapeutic in people with celiac, um, well, in animals. So now they are doing some really amazing human trials and they're already starting to see positive developments. So this is something that I'm going to keep my eye on in the next year when they go, when the digestive disease week presentations come back up next year, because this is fascinating research. And if it can help cure celiac or at least help people who are celiac be able to process gluten again in a safe way, even in minimal amounts would be incredibly awesome because people with celiac are really dealing not just with a gluten intolerance. We're talking a serious allergy that also is keeping damaging their intestines. So it makes it harder for them to actually absorb nutrients. So that's huge. That's one of my favorite pieces of research I came across as someone who's gluten intolerant. It really was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I will be keeping up with that and letting y'all know more when I hear more. But some other really cool research I came across is that the human gut microbiome, they think, is much more dynamic than previously thought. There's been a, again, according to new research that was presented at this Digestive Disease Week, there were findings based on the analysis of like 20,000 stool samples, which is in this international database. I didn't even know there was a stool sample international database, you guys. Like, what? But it was presented by um, a PhD, um, Carolina Dantas Machado, and she, the, she's one of the lead authors and researchers um, from the University of California in San Diego, along with someone named Amir Zaripar. So, this was fascinating because basically what they found from these stool samples is that there's our guts are shifting throughout a 24 hour cycle and we're having different levels of bacteria at different times of the day. And it's not only that, there's actual seasonal variations in our microbiome that were that they observed through multiple regions of the world. So it wasn't just like here in the US or over in Africa. These are like a worldwide sort of pattern that they found. And that there's certain bacteria levels that actually drop during the winter and that steadily increase until they peak in the summer. So fascinating stuff. Um they these like diurnal and seasonal gut microbiome rhythms are are something that we're all doing all the time. It's what makes each of our microbiomes so unique. 
So where we live has this profound effect on that. So I, I also just am like blown away that there's like this database of poop for a scientist to analyze and they're like all into it. Like what? Okay. Sorry. So I'm moving on. I just had to say that. But the percentages of bacteria actually change dramatically is what Dr. Dantes Machado said. And if the proportions of everything are different, then it's a different microbiome. So like you literally have a different microbiome from morning to night, from spring to summer, summer to winter, like you get the idea. But what they're hoping to understand is how the microbiome affects health and disease in this context of the environment that the gut is in. So it's just so much more dynamic than anyone realized. And this is really early research. So they're not even sure how this can affect how gut issues are treated. But it's it's a huge step forward in understanding our guts. So that's really I'm really excited to keep up with studies on this as well and see what um, these researchers are continuing to do with the information. So a third really cool research article I came across was um, a study by investigators from Brigham and Women's Hospital and at Mass General Brigham Health System. And it was in conjunction with Harvard Chan School of Public Health. And it's linked bacteria in our gut to positive emotions, like happiness and hopefulness and healthier emotional management skills. Uh, Their results were published recently in Psychological Medicine. And previous research has found that the brain does communicate with our gastrointestinal system through the what's called the gut-brain axis. One theory is that the gut microbiome plays a starring role in that gut-brain axis linking physical and emotional health. So the gut contains trillions and trillions of microorganisms. And many studies have shown that disturbance in the gut microbiome can affect this gut-brain axis, lead to a lot of health problems, anxiety, depression, even neurological disorders. So the interaction, they believe, flows both ways, that the brain can impact the gut and the gut can impact the brain. The emotions that we have and how we manage them, they believe could affect the gut microbiome and vice versa. This is what um, one of the authors of this study said, Shanlin Kay, a PhD. Um, and so there's this also point of view that positive emotions and healthy emotional regulation are linked to greater longevity. And that's what previous research has shown. And that negative emotions are linked to higher rates of cardiovascular disease, mortality from basically all causes, which is wild to think about. So the study was pretty limited in that its subjects were mostly postmenopausal white women that they researched. So they really need further research that needs to be conducted with a bigger, more diverse group of people. Um, But really what's fascinating is that they really saw that women reported being happier, more hopeful, having better emotional management skills. And that corresponded with specific species of bacteria in their guts. So all of these research articles, I'm just really briefly going over a very basic synopsis of these. They're quite complicated. I have linked everything in the show notes. So if you are curious about getting deeper into any of these research articles, um, it's all there. And I highly encourage you, if this is an area of interest, to go check them out and read them. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, So moving on from our research, I really want to start talking about like, so how 
we know this gut health, this brain gut access thing, it's important. Our microbiome super important. But how do we actually hack our gut health? What can we do? Like having all this knowledge is great and all, but ultimately we want to make positive changes, right? So here's a few ways we can do it. We can eat fermented foods. A lot of people know this, but if you don't, kimchi, sauerkraut, yogurt, kefir, no sugar kombucha, zero sugar kombucha, and fermented vegetables are really wonderful ways to help our gut microbiome. So just be aware of anything fermented with sugar in it, though. The sugar actually negates the benefits of the fermented foods. So really trying to avoid that is vital. We don't want to take something and then it just kind of is negated by the fact that it has sugar in it. Sugar is highly inflammatory anyway, not great for the gut says the girl that ate two cinnamon rolls yesterday for breakfast. So, hey, I'm not here to judge you. But um, as much as we can, reducing sugar content, very helpful. The other thing is a high fiber diet. We're talking seeds, nuts, and legumes specifically. Fruit and veggies are great source of fiber. We know that. But it's all about diversity, right? So it's really... if. And a lot of people are like, you know, I don't love eating beans. They kind of give me gas. They're not that, I don't enjoy them. But you can actually like soak beans overnight. And it's best to get dried beans, honestly, than canned beans if you can. They really are closer to living food than beans that have been sitting in a can at the grocery store for your naughty. You don't even know how long. And like, according to Ayurveda, the longer something sits cooked, the less alive it is, the less it has those pre and probiotics for you, the, the more it degrades if it's a real natural food without preservatives. So if you can, I think one of the most amazing shifts you can make in your kitchen is moving to dry beans and making that commitment. It takes some time to get used to. It took me a while, but that's all I really cook with now. And I see a massive difference in how I feel eating like dried beans that I soak overnight and then cook in my pressure cooker than actually getting canned beans, which often don't make me feel as good and do give me more gas and things like that because of how they're processed. And it's nice to know how you're processing your own food because it's hard to know with commercial operations. So other than soaking mine overnight, the other thing I like to do, which I also got from Ayurveda, is to use this Indian spice. It's called asafoetida. I have a link in the show notes to some of it, some of my the brands I like. And it's this really amazing like gum resin that they grind down. And you can use just like a tiny, tiny pinch of it in your beans when they're cooking. And it actually breaks down some of the uh, part of the bean that actually causes gas. So, and you need very little. It's really cheap. It's like five bucks for like organic asafoetida. So check that out in the show notes. The next great thing, and I think a lot of people are going to love hearing this, but coffee is a gut friend. There's been a link between the microbiome and coffee drinkers that showed a a robust correlation between the ingestion of coffee and the structure of the gut microbiome. And the research demonstrated that individuals who consumed coffee had a propensity towards greater microbiome diversity, which we want. It's like same as in nature. We want diversity within the biome of the earth. More diversity just is healthier for the environment, for everyone living on the planet. It's the same in your gut. So more precisely, those who consumed up to four cups of coffee daily exhibited a gut microbiome of increased diversity in contrast to those who consumed less coffee. So it's kind of a lot of coffee. I don't think I could actually drink that much coffee in a day without going haywire, but um, I'm using this. I'm using this as a reason to drink some coffee. Uh, So 
I'm going to stop bugging my friends who drink like eight cups a day. I'm just going to say, you know, maybe drink some water with that coffee, but cool. You're helping your gut microbiome. The one caveat I would say to drinking coffee is try to find coffee that's vetted by a third party for mycotoxins. Coffee is one of the sources of mycotoxins, which is basically like fungus, right? It's a mushroom-based, mycelial-based toxin that's bad for us. Think like, what is that show people are like raving about these days? I think The Last of Us maybe, is that what it's called? Where the mushrooms like take over and like eat everybody and like take over everyone's bodies. That's kind of how I think about mycotoxins in my life. (laughs) So, and coffee can be a big source of that. Um, I know that there's a brand called Purity Coffee. Purity Coffee actually does check for mycotoxins. They do third-party testing and it's absolutely fantastic, delicious coffee. Um, I can put those in the show notes as well and you can check them out. So the fourth biggest thing you can do for your gut, super important, have social time. A study published in Science Advances suggests that social interaction may be linked to a healthier, richer, and more diverse microbiota in chimpanzees, which could lead to a longer and healthier life. After an eight-year research project in Tanzania, scientists discovered that chimpanzee social interactions spread their gut microbiome diversity within and between host generations. That's like wild. So more frequent social interaction increases microbial species diversity within individual microbiomes, and it promotes similarity in the gut community across different chimpanzees, which is just like, what? It's fascinating. Um, And supporting this idea was actually um, this other scientific research that was done that with a group of indigenous people from Tanzania, the Hadza. And unlike industrialized populations where the micro diverse, our microbiome diversity is decreasing as we age with this group of indigenous people, it increased as they got older because the older Hadza members continue to interact and live with younger members of their tribe in very close knit communities, which really contrasts with what happens in our societies with older people who are often left in care homes or who aren't getting as much intergenerational interactions. So really bringing your grandkids to see their grandparents and being together in with family in that way and spending time together with younger people is vital to our gut microbiomes, which I just love because I'm very community oriented. And that just gives me even more reason to like see friends and family. So um, there's just all these cool ways in which socializing and our evolution are coincide with our actual physical and mental health. I just totally fascinating. Uh, let's see. So let's move on to some tech. So that's a few ways you can hack your microbiome. And this is some tech that can actually help you do the hacking and make things a little bit easier as you make changes in your life to improve your gut microbiome. So check out this website. It's called eatthismuch.com. Eat this much. It's specialized meal plans that you can base off a diet that you choose. You can do it also adding in weight preferences, habits, and there's a lot of other parameters that you can enter so that it can really customize meal plans for you so that you can meet health goals. I choose to follow a Mediterranean diet. This is the diet most researched and found to be the most beneficial to gut health and lowering inflammation, which is one of my biggest goals in my life. So each day I get on the website, it gives me awesome recipes to try. And if I don't like what it offers, I can easily hit the region. And it's just so easy. And what I found so far is really delicious and helpful because it's hard to figure out calorie intake and how to 
eat, what I should eat, and which diets to follow. So this has simplified my life so much. And I it's so nice too, because it's like, I don't have to think about like, what am I going to make for dinner? Like, I'll just go to the website, go to my profile and be like, hmm, maybe this, regenerate. I don't like that, regenerate until I find something that I like. So it is powered by AI. Um, and it's, it's kind of a fascinating tool. I highly encourage you to go just check it out and see what you think. Um, the other tech that I love is this, a couple of apps. Um, one is called fig. It's a food scanner. It's called fig food scanner. So if you're looking in it in any of the, um, app stores, but it's supports almost every dietary restriction and allergy you can think of. And it's so useful because if you do have an allergy or you need to follow a specialized diet, it lets you scan the labels of products and it will give you all the specific dietary information and let you know if it's, if you can have it or not. So you don't have to read labels. You don't have to worry if you've bought something that will make you sick. It'll literally just tell you, you set certain parameters. If you're gluten-free, if you follow the FODMAP diet, if you, you know, can't have dairy, if you're vegan, like it, whatever, because it's not just allergies, it's dietary preference. You can choose. So love this scanner. It's got great reviews. It has a free version. It does also have a subscription to unlock other features, like being able to use it at restaurants, which I'm not totally sure how that works because I haven't tried it. But if anyone tries it, please send me info, info on your experience. I'd love to hear about it. My other favorite app that's a, another scanner app is called Yuka. I use this thing constantly, y'all. It's similar to Fig, but with somewhat of a different perspective because it's reading labels to tell you if there's toxic ingredients in it. And it even links scientific articles telling you why certain ingredients are dangerous to consume. So much of the research on this app actually is coming from Europe, which is so far ahead of the U.S. in terms of banning chemicals and additives in in our food supply. So I love it because it's free. It's not connected to anybody. Like it's completely grassroots. So they are not being funded by any corporation or group of people that might have an alternative desire to make money somehow from you. And they take donations to help keep them running, but they really are out here as an independent option. And I really love it too, because it's not just for scanning food. You can scan shampoos, makeup, like basically any body care product that you use, if it has a barcode, it very likely can work. Sometimes it doesn't work. The barcodes are really, really tiny or they're like a little bit skewed. Like if they're not, like if something's covering it, obviously it can't, but I have been able to completely change my routines in terms of skincare and body care. And I am seeing so much better results in terms of like how my hair looks, how my skin feels every it's so much better. So just in the U S it's so difficult for us to figure out what is safe and what isn't because, uh, they don't need to put everything on the actual label, but in the, in the barcode, they do have to put every bit of information. So there's things that information in barcodes that we're not actually seeing on labels because maybe there's not enough that they have to report it or whatever. There's all sorts of regulations they get around. So definitely check out Yuga. If anything, check out Yuga. Um, 
So that's basically all, all my little tips and tricks this week for you. I'd love to hear what you think. And don't forget, there's also like tons of stuff in the show notes. So go down there and explore. Um, but I, I'd just love to hear what you think about the podcast. And I'd love to also send you a free gift. So you can get a hold of me by email at soulvibrationwellness at gmail.com. And I will send you a free yoga need to recording for more restful sleep and peaceful mind. And I want to also extend a special offer to listeners of the podcast. You can receive a free 30-minute wellness consultation with me, um, just email, or you can DM me on Instagram at Soul Vibration Wellness. So thank you so much for listening. It's such a joy to get to do these every week and share all this fun information that I'm finding. And just, I hope you have a wonderful couple of weeks and I'll be back in two weeks, two Tuesdays from now to talk about our next topic, which I haven't actually decided on. So if there's something out there that you listeners are so stoked about and want more information and want me to do some research for you, please email me and let me know. All right. Take good care. If you love this podcast and found value in it, please consider supporting us so we can continue to create content that helps bring healing to others. We need your support and you can do so by going to ko-fi.com slash soul vibration wellness. Again, that's ko-fi.com slash soul vibration wellness. You can go there, find out more about the show and the soul vibration wellness team and make either a one-time donation or become a sustaining member of our wellness squad. When you become a member, you will receive extended and special episodes that we can't fit into our regular 20-minute episodes. Members will also receive other fun bonuses, so please go and check that out. Your support makes this show possible. The link is also in the show notes, and thank you again for listening, and until next time, take good care.